So we're talking about who we are in Christ Jesus. We're talking about 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter in the 17th verse, says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You and I are new species that never existed before. We're aliens. Every one of you are aliens. Why? Because you're part of the blood-bought nation. And the blood-bought nation originates from heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Isn't that good news? And one day we'll all be in heaven. Together. And I think it's sooner than we think. I think it's soon and very soon. You look at some of the signs. You look at some of the things that are happening. My goodness, how could you not believe the Lord is coming soon? He's knocking on the door. Hallelujah. That's good news. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Amen. Very soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Soon and very soon, the family in heaven and the family in earth is going to be joined together. You're going to see Ma. You're going to see Pa. You're going to see Grandpa and Grandma. Amen. You're even going to see some of your in-laws and outlaws that you thought would never make it. Amen. I believe we're living in a day. Whatever it takes. If people have to ride the altar, Ben Chin, so be it. Just so they can make it. Amen. So if any man be in Christ, you are in Christ. Christ is in you. He that is joined unto the Lord has become one spirit. You're one with him. He's one with you. Oh, we're joined in Christ Jesus. We're new creations. Old things have passed away. The old man died with Christ. Amen. Therefore, we put on the new man. The new man is this new creation created in the image and likeness of God. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things, the new and fresh has come. Amen. So we've been identified with him. When he hung on the cross, you hung on the cross with him. When he died, you died with him. When he was buried, you were buried with him. When he rose from the dead, you rose up together with him. And now you're seated with him as heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's good news. Not only are we joined unto the Lord and have become one spirit, we now have equal position with him. Equal position. What does equal position mean? Well, as heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ... The scripture says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins and made us alive together with Christ. Oh, hallelujah. He's raised you up and made you to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Bear in mind now, you are in Christ, in Christ. And as a result of being in Christ, Our identity is in Him. It's not in what we do. It's not in where we've been. It's not in how much money we have or how much money we don't have. It's not in the the color of our skin. It's not who's our kin. Amen? Our identity is in Him. Amen. And that's good news. That makes all of us special in the eyes of God. 
And then over there in uh, in Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one, he said this: For he, your father, made him, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. He became sin with your sinfulness, that you might be made right in God's sight with His righteousness. Second Corinthians five twenty one: For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of what? Say that with me, I am a new creation. I'm joined unto the Lord. I'm one with Him. I have equal position with Him. I've been raised with Him. And I am right in God's sight. That's who you are. You don't have to have any psychologist tell you who you are. You don't have to have a psychiatrist tell you who you are. You look in the B-I-B-L-E and the Bible tells you who you are. Amen. Glory to God. So if anyone asks who you are, you can tell them. And then you can tell them how you became who you are. That one day you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he took you out of darkness and he brought you into the kingdom of God. Amen. And you can tell him, I'm an ambassador for him, and he'll do the same thing for you. Because he loves you, and he's no respecter of persons. That's good news, isn't it? Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we looked at that last week. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And we'll just kind of go over this and rehearse this, talking about who we are. The scripture says, but you are... A chosen generation. You're a chosen generation. That means you are a highly favored generation. As I said last week, generation and uh, and 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 regeneration come from the same root word. So you've been regened. You got new genes, and they're not Levi's. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You have kingly dominion, you have kingly authority, and you are a priest unto God. Now notice this with me, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now notice with me in verse 10, it says, which in time past were not a people, which in time past we were former nobodies, but now we're not former nobodies. We are now somebodies in the eyes of God, which in times past were not a people, but now we are the people of God, part of the holy nation, part of the blood-bought nation, purchased by his blood. Amen. Now, this morning, I want us to take a look at Ephesians, the second chapter. So if you have your Bible, let's turn over there. Ephesians chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 10, Ephesians, the second chapter and verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Now notice this again, created where? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, this word workmanship in the Greek is poema. And we get our word, English word, poem or poetry from that word. 
What this word signifies about you and me, it signifies that we are a special design produced by the grand artist of the universe. You are custom designed, tailor made by the master's hand. And we should just shout about it, sing about it, like David did. You know, if we can dance like David did, we ought to be able to praise like David did. And here's what David did. David sang and he said, I will give thanks unto thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. The workmanship of God. Here's what C.S. Lewis said about this verse. He says, we are a divine work of art. If Rembrandt's artistic masterpieces have great undisputed value, would not God's one-of-a-kind human masterpieces convey even greater value? The NLT says we are God's masterpiece. Now some of you don't look at yourself and look at your way, yourself the way that God does. Why? Because you know you. Well, God knows you. And God loves you. And God ain't through with you. And God ain't through with me. As the grand masterpiece and the grand artisan of the universe, just like Michelangelo did, kept chipping away until that became an angel. Amen? Well, how many of you know that God's working in you? He that began a good work in you, He will complete it. He will finish it. He will perform it until He returns. Amen. So don't be down on yourself. Be up on who you are in God. Call yourself what God calls you. Declare that you're the masterpiece of God. That you are His very workmanship. How many of you know that B.C., by B.C. I mean before Christ. Before Christ, how many of you know that your life had no rhyme or reason? Many of us searched. Many of us were looking for answers. We were looking for answers in the wrong places. Some of us ended up on drugs. Others of us ended up alcoholics. Other of others lived just a religious, self-righteous life. What I'm saying is this. Before Christ, your life had no rhyme or reason. But oh, thank God, conversion brought us balance. It brought us symmetry. And it brought us order. We are God's poem. We are God's work of art. Hallelujah. Now notice the same verse, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, in the Amplified Version. We're going to go somewhere here this morning with this. I want you to go ahead and read this with me if you would. Ready, read. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God has before planned beforehand for us taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live now this just kind of jumped out at me as i was preparing for this message this phrase 
taking paths which he has prepared ahead of time. Taking the prepared paths that he prepared for us to live in and to walk in really before the foundation of the earth. So as his masterpiece, we are to follow the master's plan and the master's paths for our lives. He has plans and he has paths for each and every one of us to walk in all the days of our life. And we enter into this path at the new birth. God has specific plans for your life. In Jeremiah, we look at chapter 29 and verse 11, and we notice he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Don't you know that if he knows the plans for you, he's going to show you what his plan is? He's not going to say, ha, 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 I know all my plans for you, but I'm not going to tell you. You just got to keep guessing. No. Call unto me, he said, and I will answer thee, and I will show thee great and mighty things that you don't know. So he says here, I have plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to make sure that you stay broke all the day of your life. Is our God El Chipo or is our God El Shaddai? Is he the God who's more than enough or less than the least? And he has plans to do what? He has plans to prosper you. As his masterpiece, as you get on his paths and you walk in his plans, there will be prosperity. There will be provision. You may not always see the provision. You may not always see it right in front of you. But if you keep walking on God's path and keep walking by faith and not by sight, God will connect you to his surplus and to his abundance so that you can walk out the plan of God your whole life. Amen. 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 I believe that, don't you? So he says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. And not to harm you. Oh, I wish the religious world could get that. Some people think that God is the harmer. That God is the killer. That God is the destroyer. But Jesus made it very clear for us in John 10.10. That it's the thief that comes to steal. It's the thief that comes to destroy. It's the thief that comes to harm. But Jesus said, I've come to help you. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you life to the full in abundance until it overflows. Amen. For I know the plans that I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Hallelujah. Prosperity belongs to you. And not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you hope. You know, when you go into some neighborhoods, in some areas, and really it's running rampant, really all over the Bay Area, not just in San Francisco, not just in Oakland, but now in Fremont, in Union City, just about everywhere you look, there's homelessness. And when you see homelessness, you see hopelessness. You see people that have given up on life. It's a sad thing. The Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
Now, a person that is homeless oftentimes is hopeless, but you don't have to be homeless to be hopeless. You can be a Christian and have no hope. I believe it's time for us to get our hope up. What is hope? Hope is having an expectation. It's being confident in the master who made you a piece of him. And having high hopes, high expectations, high favorable expectations for what kind of a future? For a bright future. A bright future. So God, the master, has given his masterpieces great plans, great paths to walk in. Amen? I, for one, have decided I'm going to walk in them. How about you? Say with me, I have a glorious future in God. Now, if we were to believe that, we'd get excited about it. Amen? God's not done with you yet. Don't believe the lies of the devil. God's not nearly finished with you yet. Matter of fact, for many of you, he's just now gotten to a point where he can start using you. He hasn't given up on you. So don't give up on yourself. Somebody say, yeah, but I stumbled and I fell and I missed it. Well, join the club. I said, join the club. But we do not want to live in a state of being down on ourselves. How can you get so down on yourself when God is so up on you? This is a word for somebody. It's time to get off the sidelines. Back in to the plan of God. It's time to get off the sidelines and back on the preordained path that God has called you to walk in. Glory to God. And I tell you what will help you to do that is to curse condemnation. I'm not talking about swearing at it. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus cursed the fig tree. And he said, no man eat fruit of this fruit tree hereafter forever. He cursed the fig tree. That fig tree was cursed never to produce a fig again. That is the God kind of faith. And God has placed in every one of his kids, every one of his masterpieces, the God kind of faith, the ability to speak to mountains, the ability to speak to condemnation, the ability to speak to those things that hold us down and curse them in the name of Jesus and tell them I'm done with you and I'm moving on and I'm moving up in the plan of God. Woo! Glory to God. Don't put up with condemnation one moment longer. Hallelujah. Curse it. Speak to it. There is therefore now no condemnation that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Glory. Well, I didn't know we were going to go there, but that's good. That'll help us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get excited. Get excited. God ain't finished with us yet. He saved the very, very best for the last. I believe we're living in the last 
of the last days. Therefore, I'm expecting his best. You know what? I have high hopes for this church. And not only that, but I have high hopes for the members of this church. I have high hopes for the partners of this church. Amen. I've come to prosper you, to not harm you, and to give you hope for a bright and glorious future. Amen. Amen. Years ago when Brother Hagen did healing school, um, they do it in the afternoon. And sometimes afternoon meetings are the toughest meetings. That's why I don't do afternoon meetings here. Because it's normally after being at the Black Bear Diner. Or it's, you know, people been to Applebee's or whatever. And uh, there's just something about noon lunch and sitting in a chair. How many of you know your eyes get heavy? And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're Brother Hagen or, or Kenneth Copeland. If you've ever been to Brother Copeland's uh, marathon, one of his meetings, I mean, they go at 9, they go at 10, they're down up by noon, and then they have a meeting at 2 and 3. And by 2 in the afternoon, man, you sometimes got to slap yourself. Say, wake up! Sometimes people need to do that right here in the morning. <laughs> So Brother Hagen, you know, he's, he's preaching. How many of you would, would have loved to sit under Brother Hagen's ministry? Do you know that you still can? Somebody says, I thought he went to heaven. Yeah, he went to heaven, but he left us a good, good, good stock of food down here. All you got to do is go on YouTube and just put in Kenneth E. Hagen and all of his teaching will come up. You can get an impartation through association that way. From Dad Hagen. I must have listened to him for four or five hours yesterday. Just listening to him. Just letting him tell some of his old stories. And just laughing. Man, I'm telling you. Just having a good old time. But anyway. So he's teaching and he's preaching, you know. uh, uh, In the afternoon. And uh, a couple of the guys down in the front row had just gone across the street. And eaten a great big huge Mexican dinner at the Monterey Mexican restaurant. And so Brother Hagin saw it, and he was preaching and teaching. He walked up to him. He kicked him in the, in the leg and said, Get excited, boys. Get excited. Amen. He says, Because that's when God's Word will begin to work for you. Amen. What do you say we get excited? What do you say we stay excited? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, lift your hands up and say, Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Now, to get excited and to stay excited, you can't quit. Amen. You can't back up. You got to stir yourself up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't back up. Stir yourself up. Amen. I can remember years ago, Brother Copeland looking at me and said, I'm stirred up now. And what he was saying, he was saying that by faith because he didn't feel stirred up. It was kind of in the middle of the joy move. How many have ever been in the middle of the joy move and everyone was laughing and you didn't feel a thing? (laughs) Kind of like Richard just said, you know. I mean, just being honest about it. You, you just didn't feel a thing. And I think Brother Copeland, in those early stages of the joy move, when there was a lot of laughter, he wasn't feeling it. 
He wasn't, he wasn't feeling it. So he'd speak to himself. How many of you know you can talk to yourself? Amen. Sometimes our cells need a good talking to. He looked at me and said, I'm stirred up now. Yeah. I said, praise God, so am I. <laughs> I'm stirred up. Get stirred up for your future. Yeah. It's a good future. Yeah. Well, I, I, need to, I need to know more about my future. Well, one thing for sure, we don't decide what our future is. We discover it. Amen. We discover what our future is. And we, the one way that we do that is that as his masterpieces, we invite him to show us some things. In Psalm 25 and verse 4, it says this, Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. The message says this, Show me how you work, God. School me in your ways. Lead me in the path of truth. Amen. It gets to this place where you just acknowledge His presence every day of your life. You put your trust and your confidence in Him. He'll take you by the hand and He will lead you into your wealthy place. He will lead you into your place of rich fulfillment. And the great thing about God's paths and God's plans, His paths and His plans aren't to harm you or to bum you out. When you're in the plan of God and you're walking in the paths of God, there's going to be an accompaniment of great joy. Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's look at this verse. It says, show, Thou wilt show me the path of life in your presence. What, what is there in His presence? In His presence, there is fullness of joy. In other words, when His presence leads you and puts you on the right path, showing you His perfect plan for your life, Amen. There will be joy and pleasures forevermore. Amen. You know, if I got up this morning and I said, oh, dear God, it's another day. I got to go down to heart of the bay and preach the word. And if Brenda walked up to the platform today and said, well, good morning. How's everybody doing? You probably wouldn't be back next week. Or if Pastor Tom kind of shuffled in like this, and instead of leading us in worship, he led us down a different path. No, we'd be looking for a place where we could get our praise on. Amen? And so, in the will of God, there's joy. In the will of God, there are pleasures forevermore. And so we need to remind ourselves that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I, I found out the other night that God's renewing my youth just like the eagles. Right. Amen. Amen. God's renewing Brenda's life just like the eagle. Amen. Isn't that good news? Yes. That means at 65 years old, her joy is going to be increased. Amen. Her strength is going to be increased. Amen. She's going to go from strength to strength. I know that for sure because she's full of joy. Hallelujah. Say it with me. The joy of the Lord. It is my strength. So in the will of God, 
In the plan of God, there's joy. There's pleasures forevermore. Amen? Amen. Psalm 27, 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. The message says, Point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Hallelujah. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Hey, folks, if God be for you, who can be against you? And so he's not making it hard for us to get on the path and to stay on the path. Why is that? Because he's given us his word. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. How many of you know that the entrance of his word will give you light? Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. One translation says it this way, By your words I see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. And here's what happens. When you get the light of God's word, and you begin to see some things, the scripture says that in thy light, we're going to see more light. In other words, you might have part of the plan and you're walking in that path as best you know how. But if you're walking in the light, in his light on this path, you're going to see more light. What does that mean? You're going to get more direction. The plan of God is going to become clear and he's going to give you insight. In other words, where you'll begin to see on the inside of you what you need to see to walk out and to fulfill the plan of God for your life. Hallelujah. Pray this with me. May the eyes of my understanding be flooded with light. And then he's given you the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Didn't he say in his word that the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you into all, tr- all the truth? He said that the Holy Spirit will take of mine and he will show it unto you. He will reveal it to you. He will transmit it to you. He will make known to you the purposes and the plans of God for your life. Look with me quickly over John 16 and verse 13. And verse, actually, just look at verse 14 of John 16. He said, He will honor and glorify me because he will take of, receive, and draw upon what is mine. Become God inside minded. Invite him to show you his way, his path. He will draw upon what is mine. Read the rest with me. And will reveal and declare, disclose. Hallelujah. Brenda and I got married July 22nd, 1977. We met down there at Rhema Bible Training Center. We were talking to Mark and Janet the other day about it a little bit. And uh, they didn't know this, but right after graduation, even before Brenda and I... Uh, got married, I became pastor of a small church in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And uh, how that happened was a friend of mine from Minnesota had passed. Now, this was a Pentecost. I didn't know what a Pentecostal was. 
I mean, I'd heard the term and I'd seen some Pentecostals at Rhema, but I didn't really know what old line Pentecostals were. And when I mean old line, I mean old line. I mean, we're not going to go there. About 12 people in the church and they were all family. All of them were family. And here I am, a young buck, fresh out of Ramah, full of fire, full of zeal. And not only was I pastoring that small church in Sepulpa. Now, Sepulpa is about, what do you say, 12, 15 miles out of Tulsa or so. But uh, before Brenda and I were married, I was working at the ministry of Kenneth Hagin Ministries. I was his editor. I edited the, the tape series, The Name of Jesus. I edited the tape series, How to Be Led by the Spirit, Part 1 and Part 2. And I edited the tape series, 10 Necessary Steps to Follow When Faith Seems Weak and Victory Seems Lost. Amen. So you know my testimony. I needed some serious mind renewal. And so the favor of God, and God, because he knew the call of God in my life, put me in that pathway of being able to be around the Word and just be saturated in it for eight hours a day. I mean, for eight hours a day, I literally worked with the Word. It was my responsibility when he did that series, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God. When those days, he would preach sometimes a hundred minutes. Now that's 90 plus 10 for those of you who are mat- not mathematicians. <laughs> and so what they would do is they would say, okay, it's your responsibility. Here's the real to real of the whole service. So I would go into this padded room, not because I was crazy or anything, but for sound purposes, I went into this studio. Thank you. And, and they would say, okay, here's the real to real. Now you need to cut this message down to about 89 minutes. So sometimes I had to cut as much as 20 minutes out of his messages. You see, I know what those 20 minutes were and you don't. (laughs) But I'm I'm just working with the word all day. Working with the word all day, all day. Just getting full. Not only full of the word, but full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the word. And the Holy Spirit Spirit are keys keys to me receiving light. light. So we're pastoring this little church over there in Sepulpa, Oklahoma. And then Brenda's working for the prison ministry down there. And she's answering letters from from prisoners. And they would have an answer that they would send to them. And then July 22nd, 1977, we got married. Glory to God. And then we were pastoring this little church. And we pastored from 1977 to the fall of 1978. And we had this bright idea that we're going to go work for Norval Hayes now. And uh, I remember Brother Hagen walked into Brenda's office and she said, Brother Hagen, she says, we're going to be leaving pretty soon. We're going we're to go work with Norval. We're going to get bu- busy for God. And he says, haven't you been busy enough here? And he walked right out. <laughs> That, that, that's how he would do, you know. He'd just kind of walk in your office, make a little comment, and walk right out. <laughs> Haven't you been busy enough here? Something like that. So, you know, we, we, had, the, we had the go-yees in our, in our spirit. 
So, and we loved Norville, and we, we thought, well, we'll go with Norville. So we did. You know, we, we ministered here and there. But the main thing we did was knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. And then, of course, he had us working in the fraternities to sell, what was that stuff? Stationary. Stationary to the students. And thing about it is, he would put Brenda into the guys' fraternity for some reason. And I didn't really like that. And so anyway, after about a month, I think, maybe a month, we were broke. I mean, we, we were stone broke. We were supposed to live on our commission. We were supposed to live on our commissions from selling stationery at the fraternity. And the boys and the girls just weren't buying. So we were broke. We had $50 left. And we had enough to get a room in Durham, North Carolina at a Motel 6. You know the one that, where they keep the light on? <laughs> so we're, we're, in this, we're in this Motel 6. And... We're not watching TV. We're praying fervently. Because we knew that our assignment with Norval was coming to an end. But just because something comes to an end and it didn't work out, doesn't mean that God doesn't have something else or something better. And so on the inside, we just look to the Holy Spirit. Thank God for praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for praying in the Holy Ghost. When you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're not only building yourself up, but you're speaking divine secrets. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, and when Lord. you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you give the Holy Spirit place to lead you and guide you and speak yeah. to your spirit. Hallelujah. And so the Holy Spirit and, and it just led us and guided us. Well, you have enough gas to get back to the Midwest. Just get in your little car and head back to the Midwest. Of course, I was from Minnesota. Brenda's from Oklahoma. And my folks had a place up in Wisconsin. My mom and dad were retired by then. And they had a beautiful lake home up there. And we went in with just a few dollars left in our pocket. There to, to my folks' place. Thank God they had peanut butter in the cupboard. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what? All the way, driving from Durham, North Carolina, all the way driving to Wisconsin, we had peace. Amen. We didn't have any money, but we had peace. Aren't you glad you don't necessarily have to have money to have peace? You walk in the peace of God and you walk by faith and not by sight. He'll see to it that you get the money. We just had peace. It was peace like a river. It was joy like a fountain. We got to my folks' house and, you know, we were trying to explain to our dad what in the world we were going to do and what we were doing. And he kind of looked at us like, really? And he looked at Brenda and he says, well, you don't look crazy. Now, they knew that I was at one time. And they said, you, 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 you don't look crazy. And he said something like this. He says, well, this faith. It must be faith. It must be faith, he said. Hallelujah. And you know, thank God it was. Hallelujah. We weren't being foolish. We didn't move until we knew. Here's what happened. And I know we're running really short on time. And if this happens for Mark and Brenda Thomas, it can happen for you yeah. in your circumstance. If you walk in the light of God's Word, and you walk in the light of the Holy Spirit's leading, He'll put you on the right path. Yeah. Don't you worry about the provision. He'll take care of it if you'll walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Amen. So here's what happened. There's a little charismatic group 
in that little town where my folks were. And they got wind that we were in town. And they said, would you like to come over and teach a Bible study? Man, it's like saying, sick them to a bulldog. Yes. <laughs> yes and amen. So we went over there. and They received a little offering for us. We said, thank you, Jesus. We didn't go there to get an offering. We went there to get something to them. And as a result, they gave us an offering. Well, what that did is that gave us enough money to go over the border to Minnesota. So we went to Minnesota where a good friend of ours was, where, who had really been our pastor for about a year, my pastor for about a year before I went to Ramah. And we ended up going to this Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International meeting. How many of you ever heard of the Full Gospel Businessmen? And so at this Full Gospel Businessmen Fellowship International, the Lord spoke to one of the men's wives to put a $100 bill in her purse because I'm going to show you who to give that to when you get to the meeting. So in we walk. Hallelujah. And in our hands came $100. Glory to God. It was just supernatural. All the way. All the way. That weekend, that weekend we were invited to, listen, we are invited to preach at a little church in Spicer, Minnesota. Arvid Pavarud, the name of the pastor. I remember I preached that morning, Pastor Tom, on seven revelations every believer should know. I preached then like I do now, with fire and with zeal. And Brenda was right there with me. Praise the Lord. They not only had an AM service, but they had a PM service. They received an offering for us, and they gave us the largest offering that they had ever given anyone in that church up to that date. It was like $327. So we're thinking, yay, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So now we got $427. Now, we didn't have a place to live. We didn't know where we were going to go. We were staying at Calvin Plumley's basement. They let us stay there until we knew what was up. But we only had to stay there a few nights. Because after the meeting at that church in Spicer, we went out to have breakfast with some of the farmers, with some of the members. And there was a gentleman there by the name of John Heidecker. And John said, you know what, Mark and Brenda, I know of a chiropractor that lives in Redwood Falls, 60 miles away, that has a beautiful lake home, fully furnished, that does not use it during the winter. Well, this is November. He says, I'll call him and see if you guys can stay there. Yes. So we moved into that house. We had enough for the cheap rent. And we stayed there through the winter. To God be the glory. And so the plan of God began to unfold. Next thing we know, November 5th, 1978, we're pastoring a church in Hutchinson, Minnesota. About 50 miles away. And then... Churches started popping up all over the place like popcorn in Montevideo, Minnesota, Wilmer, Minnesota. We were so busy, we hardly had room enough to breathe. Brenda was holding meetings for Dutch Reformed women in Dutch Reformed homes. I mean, the kind of, the kind of villages and homes where they have those, what are those, Dutch windmills? She was holding meetings there. God supernaturally connected us with a supernatural assignment for a number of years. And it's all because of Him and walking in the light of His Word and walking in the light of the Holy Spirit's leading. And I'm telling you folks, you are God's masterpieces. And the Master has a plan. 
And he has a purpose for your life. Just because you don't see it unfold all at one time. Just keep walking. Keep talking. Keep praising. Keep praying. Let God be God. And let him do for you in your life what no man could ever do. Amen. Well, that's enough for this morning. Let's stand up. Glory to God.